0: In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson.
1: And welcome to the People Catalyst podcast, Todd Palmer. Thank you so much for having me today, Carla. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm super excited about the podcast here today, and uh, we get a little bit of a time to chat, and I loved hearing not only your story, but I think something that any business owner, entrepreneur, individual that can learn from is resiliency.
0: Well, you know, resiliency is often a a lesson for entrepreneurs that is is challenging to learn. It was challenging for for me to learn because I, I had this image in my mind that, Success was a, a really very linear line from the bottom to the top. And it was just going to be if I have the better mousetrap, or I have the better idea, the world will be the path to my door and I'll market it and people will want to work with me. And it's just going to be super easy. Where I've really just figured out ultimately that success is a very, very crooked line filled with stops and starts and, and, and to get through those you gotta be resilient.
1: It makes me think of that picture where it says what's what people think success looks like and what it really looks like and so a whole bunch of scribblies.
0: <laughs> that, still... That's it's absolutely that it's um it's messy. It's, it well it's like life. It, it's messy parenting is messy being a being a significant other or a spouse is messy. Being an entrepreneur is messy and when you take a look at the the, the data behind the messiness of entrepreneurs, I think it's that resiliency that we don't talk nearly enough when you've got a space like entrepreneurship where the failure rate in 2020 is over 80%. When you think Ugh. of the, the, the divorce rate you only know, 45%, you've got you know, a much better chance of having a successful marriage than growing a successful company. And when the, the further data point that only about 45 to 5% of all companies in the United States that are incorporated ever reach a million dollars or more in revenue. There's a lot to overcome. Having said all that, being an entrepreneur has been by far the most rewarding career I could have chosen.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, they're definitely happier. And it's really sad because 70% of people as reported by Gallup for the last, I don't know, 40 years they've been doing, um, they are just identifying and they put it in different terms, employee engagement or happy at work, but 70% in the United States hate their job, capital H, not just like not disengaged, basically feel like they're selling their soul every single day. Does and- not
0: surprise me. Being a recruiter for 25 plus years doesn't surprise me because as soon as I could figure out somebody hated their job and the number one reason they hated their job was usually their immediate boss. I was yes. able to pull oh them gosh. out of that company. Oh my gosh,
1: that's the podcast we just did. People leave bosses, not companies. Oh, it's, true. It's,
0: it's, totally, it's totally true. And you know it's, it's really sad because a lot of employers think if I just throw money at it, someone will stay. The reality is, money, depending upon it, at least in my experience, is about third or fourth on the list, Mm -hmm. and bosses are always number one on the list.
1: Yeah, and you spend more time at work than doing anything else, (laughs) so it needs to be an enjoyable place. And it's and at the same, um, talking to the same thing is the object of the exercise too is to get something done, and so. When you take a look at you know oh it's the you know it's not singing kumbaya or the air hockey table in the break room it's the high fives and being a part of a winning team oh, that gets absolutely. people energized and engaged
0: absolutely if you if you take a look at the the stuff that Google's been putting out lately about psychological safety in the workplace and how they're building teams out by it creating the space where people can be seen people can be heard trust trust grows and you're not managed by fear and intimidation. Those type, of psych, those type of changes going forward are going to be massive for the millennials who really focus on the ideas of, I'll trade flexibility and freedom for money. Uh, I want to work in teams, don't make me work by myself. All those different pieces roll into that because at the end of the day, and I, and I think you're a believer in this, that the number one differentiator in any business are is going to be the people and the people on your team.
1: Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. And that's why we always say in business and life, relationships are everything, not something, not part of it, everything. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's why when people leave their their bosses, they don't leave their companies. And the crazy thing is, in doing the research for that podcast, uh the cost is crazy. So you being a recruiter, Todd, um, or previously recovering recruiter. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I always call myself a recovering banker too. (laughs) Oh, it's such, yes. It is
0: definitely a recovering recruiter role that I, I once had. Yes.
1: And, um, but it, it is 33% of any position salary. That's what the turnover, the hard cost, that's Shrum, um, that, I, or it might've been Harvard bin's business review. I'm not sure, but 33%. So if you're p- spending or paying somebody a hundred thousand dollars, the hard cost, to your bottom line for turnover is $33,000. But the soft costs are what echo and echo and echo. That's those those all those corporate words we use, right? Uh, employee engagement, culture, leadership, you name them, right? Which is basically just can just suck a company dry. It's the number one and number two largest cost to any organization.
0: And it's, it is really something that's still by and large across most companies is not known and not embraced by leadership because a lot of leaders that I've run into, even some of the leaders I've been coaching now that I've transitioned away from daily recruiting, they, they, they're going to salute the flag of the past with a, you know, we've always done things that way, fixed mindset, and they don't recognize that progress is going to happen when you're willing to let go of what was and be reality based about what is so many employers i used to deal with and now my clients who are a little bit more seasoned in life are complaining about millennials and they don't understand and they don't this and they don't that and then you got the millennials complaining about the gen x's and the boomers and they we have five generations in some companies it, now it working is together
1: staggering isn't it so different like just think of the mediums to communicate
0: oh it's insane and it's it's funny my my greatest client success story for extraordinary advisors is a is a guy in his 50s who started his first business after turning 40 and it's all it's all millennial based and it's all virtually has no fixed costs for real estate no fixed costs for you know wow. all the, the the desks and all that nonsense he's created this My first this-
1: phone system cost $15,000.
0: Oh, he, he I think he <laughs> I uses remember? I think he uses VoIP for free. So exactly. So I much.
1: know it's just amazing when you start when you actually look at the benefits. I love how you said, um, don't focus on what was focus on what is. That's awesome. Can can you share a little bit thought about how that helps build resiliency just all in and of itself?
0: Oh my gosh, that, that, that's exactly the whole point. So, you know, I, I used to think the, the line of success was that straight trajectory. And I was and every time I would stumble and fall every time I would make a mistake as the leader. I would beat myself up. I suffered from something called imposter syndrome. I, you know, I thought everybody else had all the answers, and I was the only idiot in the room. And and that just compounded over time. And over time, for me, it started to shut me down. You know, I'm nine years into my business. I'm starting to shut down. Company's not doing so well, and I'm, you know, not dealing with my staff. I'm not going into the office. I, you know, I could lie to myself and say, "Well, I'm the owner. I don't have to go in." Well. September of 2006, I'm $600,000 in debt. My imposter syndrome is off the charts. I can barely get out of bed. I'm thinking I'm the world's biggest failure because my identity was tied to the business. So if the business was successful, Mm. I was successful. That's so
1: interesting. And that's very true. How many times is our success connected to something else for just being human?
0: And I needed to, I need an outside observer. So I hired a coach and he's looking at the business. He's looking at my team. We're talking about their performance. I'm not holding anybody accountable. They're, you know, The, the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> we had breakdown break in trust. So in all candor, on September 9th of 2006, I remind you, I'm 600K in debt. So I don't, I'm running out of cash. I'm going to lose the house that my son and I grew were living in. I was a single parent. I walk in, fire my entire company, start over, and within a year I'm on the Inc 5,000 was the fastest growing companies make the list six times because I realized that the key to being for me to be successful was tenacity and resiliency in the face of overwhelming odds. And a lot of those odds I had created for myself.
1: Mm, That's good. I love that. And tenacity too. I mean, that's really when your muscles grow the most, right? I mean, you have to put them under, there's a reason why when you work out, and you're breaking it down, but it builds back up. So, I mean, you could really apply that um, to a whole bunch of different facets of business. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, my background, I went to the school of hard knocks too, So, I, I think I always grew during the most challenging times. Well, it's crazy because for a long time, I never talked about
0: September 9th, 2006. Because I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. I you know, I was guilting myself. It's crazy how, you know, so many years later, my mess has become my message. And it's the story I tell from stage. It's the story I tell my clients, story I'm telling on podcasts like yours, so that people know that they're not alone and that, that, mm-hmm. that these, they're normal.
1: These... Congratulations. Welcome, yes. to the, welcome, welcome to the Welcome to, to the human
0: race. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, in, in difficult times where... In my case, some things were thrust upon me and some choices I made. It, Like you talk about in your philosophy, it always comes down to people. Well, the one person I was doing the worst job taking care of was me. Mm. I was not – people don't – entrepreneurs often think we have to be so much of service to others, which we do, but we also have to make sure we take care of ourselves. And I wasn't doing a very good job of that, and I had to realize that I had to be – I had to get rid of the doom loop in my head, and so my coach – Worked with me. We came up with a step five positive things to do every day to get me unstuck. And sometimes when I check in, like
1: that, Oh, share. Can you do you mind sharing? Maybe yeah. some of those positive things that everybody yeah. could do. I'm sure, sure everybody needs more positivity in their life, right? Well.
0: It, it, it And it's not just, po- you know, I, I love the work of Gabrielle Odigen around her whoop concept. It's not just thinking something positive, but then taking an action.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: that action. Some,
1: the action is connected, has and, to be connected to it.
0: Absolutely. And then whatever the result of that action is for me, and we worked so much on this back in 06 was to, you try something, it doesn't work. That's okay. It doesn't mean you, you know, it doesn't mean you're a failure just because the idea didn't work. And so over the course of time, it was, you know, I'd check in and when I was really bad off, I checked in with my coach every day. He was awesome. So he'd be like, okay, what are the five things you did? Well, let's see. I got out of bed and made it to the office. Big, big step right there. Uh, I went to the gym and exercised and took care of my, my my health. Important. I called five clients that I hadn't talked to in six months and, and re-engaged them. I did.
1: so something- how fun is that to catch up with a...
0: Oh, absolutely. It, I, had, again, distanced myself. Some of them thought I'd sold the business. I mean, it was just a situation where those five things every day, and then how did I apply those to myself? So when I got home at dinner, my son and I would have dinner, and I would and I would always ask him, not how was your day? Because any kid's going to say it was great because I don't want to talk about it. What he would say, so tell me the one thing that you learned today that you didn't know yesterday. And, and they had awesome. to think. And then, and he'd say, well, dad, what was the one thing you learned? And he, well, well, I learned that if you don't pay the bank, they get really angry at you. <laughs> those guys, so those of so, but it taught him finance. And so now he's 29 years old and he's a CPA.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. You know what is interesting? I started my career in, um, the title industry. So okay. at 18, I worked at a title company and I was sitting there going, gosh, I need to learn this, um, and be the best at what I was doing. And, that was my goal every day learn one new thing that i didn't know yesterday and two months into it um i, I and i was looking around going gosh i want to run a business what business should i do i was like I, I love events i love people and then all of a sudden i started realizing all those checks that were coming across my desk i was like that's a nice check that's, I, don't, I don't know what those people do <laughs> and so i got into finance but it started out just learning one new thing a day and after two years got my broker's license at 20. Um, and it just happened to be those, the, that one thing I did every day that all of a sudden the light bulb went off and went, hey, wait a second, I come think I need to launch a business. Well, it's, it's
0: so important to recognize what do you enjoy? So if you enjoy, you know, like my son, he enjoys doing accounting. I, I enjoy- God bless him. I know. Because, <laughs> I, and I tell him, I said, you got a job for life. I mean, you're good to go. And, and you know, it was interesting going back to the resiliency part. I I love helping solve problems. Uh, I love clients in, in satisfying their needs in the staffing place or even now with in the coaching business. What I didn't like and what I was really bad at was cold calling because it would fire up my imposter syndrome. So I broke down all the steps of my sales process and I would then- and I felt like a failure in the moment because I would hire other people to cold call. I would hire other, you know, back in the days when people actually had these things called landlines and they would pick it up and <laughs> someone would answer. So you, you, half your audience is probably checked out. You used to like, have
1: things called servers too, Todd.
0: I know. And there, there's this other thing called a fax machine. I think I just saw it in that Wall Street <laughs> movie with Michael Douglas back in the day. And but oh I would God. hire people to do that for me so then I would, you know, engage the customers or the prospects after the cold call because I realized the cold call shut me down. hmm but for a long time i would just beat myself up because i should be all things to all people all the time and and, then, and that was a falsehood and that was a it was an it, unproductive message to send myself because especially going you know now in 2020 resiliency and tenacity and the ability to, to to fight for another day and to 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 get up every day with that you know rocky mentality is more important than ever before
1: mm-hmm. definitely because things are changing i was just reading I'm not sure where the article came out of because I'm an avid reader, um, but it was talking about all of the businesses that are open today. Todd, in ten years, the likelihood that you're still going to be around is not likely because that's how quickly things are shifting.
0: Oh, if you see things like that, or you even go look at some of these these old list articles of you know who was on the you know Fortune 500 25 years ago. A lot of those companies don't even exist anymore. Yes. So the yeah. The iterative nature of business and it, it, now throw in artificial intelligence, I mean, that's part of the reason like recruiting became a whole lot less attractive to me because I thought, you know, this artificial intelligence is going to start replacing me and the, the, my unique my unique ability, my ability to to listen in a conversation, pick out things and create a great candidate experience, create, create a great customer experience is going to be limited. I really should, you know, think about other things to do with my life because I'm still a relatively young person. How can I do those things? Because the world we know, I mean, now we're going to, you know, going into the rest of 2020, I predict we're going to see a lot more people wanting to work from home. And companies are going to be much more comfortable with it because world forces have forced them to adapt and adjust. We're talking a little bit about some associations we've been part of, and now they're going to more virtual models and more telemodels versus face-to-face models. I love face-to-face. I think there's such a magical energy when you're in a room with somebody face-to-face. But if that can't be always attained, then the virtual model is going to be going forward. The flexibility
1: of it is just incredible because now we're talking about, because I know you were a part of EO there in Detroit and you're the past president, right? Um, And one of the challenges, and I was a member of Vistage, is the fact that having a whole day, one whole day per month, when you have a travel schedule is really challenging. Not that I can't put that day aside, but the the fact of, you know, I might not be in the state is <laughs> of an issue. And that is really interesting. And thinking about the resiliency of individuals through those times too, because now all of a sudden only 29% of people have the ability or have telecommuted before Todd. And so you think about that other group and we just did an article. We collaborated with um, an association called, uh, association called MANCEF. Okay. Taking innovations right globally. And one of the challenges they had um, was that in a gentleman named Doug Sparks, um, we kind of co created the article together, is that in, they're in the electronics and semiconductor space. And they had people in China who had to telecommute. Their CEO actually got stuck in Ohio for like since December. She just went home. Wow. And then they have a group in the EU and then they have a group in the States. And they started talking about how the telecommuting just completely changed their culture. Because instantly, not only are you dealing with, okay, we have to get something done, but three completely different cultures of, you know, process more, because it seems, you know, in the EU, they're more process orientated. Uh, In China, it's because my boss said so. In the States, it's trying to get them motivated, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) So it was... Literally, so challenging. Looking at okay, well, how do you get all these people working together and overcoming right. this current challenge with so many you know, completely different characteristics?
0: Well, you know, it's so important. I think in those environments to have someone, and sometimes it does require an outside observer or an outside resource to come in and really work on team building mm-hmm. and and, and sub team alignment to the greater cause of the organization. Uh, some of the training I do with EO globally is around the, the, some of the board positions are called the trifecta. It's three board positions that work very, very diligently on the member experience. And the more they get aligned on what the impact they can do and what the impact they can make on the new member, it's so powerful. You you see your attrition rates go down, you see your member satisfaction go up, all these different things. And they have about a 90 day window to make this happen. And so Mm -hmm. laying it all that out and getting them to buy part of the, the, The challenge has been in in getting them to buy in. So what I do is I I really talk to them as, I talk to them all the same. I talk to them as individuals and I get them to hearken back to what it was like in your first, well, do you remember what your first EO experience was? Do you remember your first EO event? And if it was great, let's talk about it. But I know my first EO event was miserable. I didn't know anybody. No one was my champion through the process. And you know, I'm here today to be a servant leader to the to the training room so that everybody can have a great experience like Carla had or like Jody had or like Bob had. Laying that all out and getting everybody going in one direction can be really done. I think it's it's a magical, a magical art if you can able to do that in regards to different cultures and different areas. But I do believe and I think we're seeing that so much today where you know, people from around the globe can come together for a common cause.
1: Mm-hmm yeah i love it that's awesome and and of course there's the um you know amazing part of having to be in a situation, right? Because that is how you actually build resiliency. It's, you know, it's funny. um, I used to, when I was growing up, uh, pray for patience. I stopped doing that because, (laughs) you you know, it's like, okay, I want to be patient, but then all you really get is the opportunity to be patient. It's not like something that happens to you. It's your response to a situation. And when we uh, first uh, got on the um, uh, previous call before, Jumping on the podcast, we talked about 9-11 and 2008 and, you know, current situations uh, in the marketplace today. And it's like, okay, well, do you, you don't just, you're not just made resilient. (laughs) You get the opportunity to be resilient.
0: Well, it's so true. Until
1: something happens. Well, and it's something that, you know, you know,
0: I remember, I remember 9-11. I remember 2008. I remember my, my experience that I self-created in 2006 I remember 2009 after being in the recession and coming out of it and being on the ink list twice already, having to go into my team, and I laid off my entire company for two months. Mm. Um, And I handled it very differently because of the resiliency I learned. I I worked with a great game of business people. I came up with an open book management style. My numbers were shared. People knew how much money I made. I put all the the myths and misnomers around what it was like to be an entrepreneur or CEO, and got real with my people, laid it all Mm -hmm. out for them. I stopped taking a salary two months before I let anybody go, and I laid out for them what a great future would look like when they came back so everybody knew that this wasn't a reflection of you, this is a reflection of the marketplace. You know, when you've got 15% unemployment, no one's gonna use a recruiting company to hire. This is not gonna happen. Yeah, That was our brutal reality, Stockdale Paradox. So I'm gonna have the absolute faith that we're gonna get through this tough time while also dealing with the brutal reality and having the authenticity, the transparency and the vulnerability to say to my team, I'm not sure how this is gonna happen yet, but trust me, we're gonna to live to fight another day because I've been there before and, and I'm gonna lead this charge. So just have have faith in me while all the time I'm thinking, well, this, is, this feels really uncomfortable, but you know what? At the, at the end of the day, this is gonna make a great story.
1: It always is. We always call that type two funny. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, at it's the always, moment at the moment when you're going through something you're like uh but it tends yeah. to be the best you know i like you said earlier that uh your mess became your message so well, yeah. there's the beauty within the tragedy right the,
0: uh, well you look at any shakespearean play look at any of these 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 popular movies lord of the rings series or star wars or anything else that's popular it's always that hero's journey fraught with peril fraught with one misstep and you're done. That's what people people get. I mean, Rocky, you know, everybody, you know, loves this, the hero overcoming massive odds to achieve success, where I think the, the greatest opportunity for those of us who've been through those op, those challenges is to be the guide to other people's heroes' journeys, with through the coaching and through the mentoring and for the opportunities that come to us, because a lot of, you know, people have not been through some of the tough times. If we can do that experience here, we can help be the eyes and the ears at a 30,000-foot view while they're chopping through the brush down on the, on the earth. We can give them so much more value, and that creates such a great legacy that it's just so incredibly rewarding.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Okay, so how can our listeners get a hold of you, Todd?
0: You know, Carla, the best place for them to reach me is going to be on my website, ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. My email is Todd at ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. And I'm happy to offer a 30-minute free coaching session to anybody who's heard me on your podcast today. We can talk about imposter syndrome. We can talk about growing and scaling your business. We can talk about what your legacy is going to be. We can talk about resiliency. Yes, that's Um, awesome. I I love it. For me, it's a great opportunity. 12 years ago, I had the opportunity to work with Simon Sinek before he wrote his first book. And so,
1: need we had on the podcast not too long ago, the co-founder. Of oh, Sp- cool!
0: That's yeah. I mean, Simon really impacted my life from a perspective. I spent two years working with him to get two words: improve lives. That's why I'm here. That's my calling in life. So, really, if people think, "Well, I don't want to bother him, and I don't want to waste his time. I can't do this," like, no, let's have a conversation. Because if you have one aha moment or one takeaway, you've made my life a better place. So let's let's have that conversation.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Todd. It's been a pleasure. Carla,
0: thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.